Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions. It's a podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website, and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Vogermilis, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Uh, we're recording this on not a normal day. We're actually, like, recording it over the weekend. These, uh... These midweek Netflix drops are murder. So mm. I don't know. Everything feels really off. It's also like 80 degrees outside. And I don't know. The world is on fire, literally and figuratively. <laughs> I-, I thought it was just Twitter. Well, that too. <laughs> Everything. Nothing is safe. It's true. So what are we talking about today? Uh, we are talking about uh, the biggest Anglophile release of the fall, probably, which is the fifth season of Netflix's The Crown. These midweek mur- these midweek drops really are murder. They're great. <laughs> um, and, th- and and shout out to Netflix PR for not giving us screeners ahead of time. So the two of us, we had to swallow it whole. <laughs> I know we had to watch. We had to watch with everyone else. But I got to watch it with Greg, which is nice because he's also a big a big fan of the show. So sometimes when I have screeners and I watch things without him, it's 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 sad. But we got to watch it together, so that was nice. Although he's less of a he's less of a hardcore royalist than I am. So maybe we should have had him on the show for like the normie perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cause I definitely feel like we do not have the normie perspective on this. Um, I sat and basically like mainlined this thing on Wednesday when it dropped and I have a lot of opinions. So where do we start? Uh, let's start. Let's start with the fact that season five is the third and f- there's two more seasons of the crown season five and season six, which will as- presumably arrive next year uh it has already been established that it will yeah netflix has already said yeah this is the third and final cast changeover of the show which means mm-hmm. that instead of olivia colvin and tobias menzies we have imelda staunton and jonathan price and a bunch of other people stepping in for all the other royals so that takes a little bit of adjusting not for the least of which reason is that for some reason the costume designers decided to dress queen elizabeth ii as dolores umbridge which was just very like disturbing. <laughs> I saw so many people say that's not the queen, that's Dolores, that's Professor Embridge. Yeah, it's a, it's a choice. I mean, this is really like it's it's. I realize that that this is how the real Queen Elizabeth, God rest her, dressed, but I just re- like it's it's uncanny in places. Um. So I absolutely love Imelda Staunton as Queen Elizabeth. I do too. One of the greatest things I ever saw was her and Gypsy in the West End. She's not an incredible singer. She's a fine. She's a she's a totally serviceable singer, but she's an incredible actress, which means she just mm. really sold Mama Rose like you would not believe. Like it was uh, it was truly one of the greatest things I've ever seen, and I'm pretty sure you can watch it on great performances. Uh, so I have to say, like of my of the three Elizabeths we've had of Claire Foy, uh, Olivia Coleman, and now Imelda Staunton. I, I, Staunton still has a second season to go, but I'm already ranking her above Foy and way above Coleman. And I, I apologize. And that, and that, and that, and that is really like, considering how great Olivia Coleman is, that's really kind of saying something. I'm, I'm actually going to put a stake in the ground and say that I think Claire Foy is the best Elizabeth. <laughs> um, part of the reason for that is, it, <laughs> this is just me going to jump right into my biggest complaint about this season, which is, is a problem that the later seasons of The Crown have suffered from, and that is uh, Queen Elizabeth actually, like, uh, like I feel like the show forgets that it's supposed to be about Queen Elizabeth for, like, huge stretches of time. Uh, as far as I can, I think, don't get me wrong, Amelda Staunton is incredible. I think her performance is incredible. I think she nails a lot of the things that I associate with Queen Elizabeth, sort of like the immovable steel of mm-hmm. her presence. She literally has the cadence of her speech down to a science. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Honestly, she sounds like her. But the show doesn't know what to do with Elizabeth anymore. And I don't I don't know whether that's because they just want to focus on other characters or whether they don't want to try to delve too deeply into into what she was or was not thinking but like the Fayed family got a whole episode uh-huh. Elizabeth didn't get a whole episode <laughs> like and she's the freaking queen so that's my biggest complaint about this season is the fact that I feel like Elizabeth is essentially a non-entity through most of it and I don't know 
I don't know why. And it's really frustrating to me. Okay. I actually think I know why. Um, so if we think of the crown as Peter Morgan's bid to be basically the Shakespeare of our time, and basically these are his history plays, but he's doing these history plays while the monarch is still alive. So he has to write them to be flattering to the monarch in question. It explains a lot about A, the way Elizabeth is portrayed and B, the way Charles is portrayed. Um, I will get to Char- I will get to Charles in a minute, but I sort of feel like I sort of feel like I kind of agree with that, but also kind of not because I think I think there are certainly moments where it feels like the show is criticizing Elizabeth, like for being too stodgy and not modern enough and too inflexible or whatever, whatever. But I feel like and I feel like that's fine and fair and kind of what I want the show to do. I just feel like maybe it's more that I don't feel like Elizabeth has a POV. If that makes sense. I think that they don't want to give her a POV because they're afraid that people won't like her if they do, if they do at this point. The stodgier she gets, the less in touch with things she gets, the farther she gets away from being that 25 year old woman who became queen, the the more the, the, the more removed from reality she is. And I feel like that they they give us a little bit of that, especially with the whole uh, the whole uh, uh, royal yacht situation. But there's a lot of there's a lot of nervousness about making her look bad, especially in terms of Diana. And I feel like that that is actually part of the problem here is that, you know, honestly, like they the show works very, very hard to be even-handed between Charles and Diana this season. Which is very strange because it wasn't last year. No, it was last year, though. It was. I don't think it was. I think it was much more pro-Diana in season four than season five is. Uh-uh. I, d- I disagree 100%, and I disagree. I feel that they tried to be extraordinarily even-handed. The reason that it didn't come off is because a woman on the verge of a mental health crisis for a decade running is just going to be way more sympathetic to modern audiences than it might have been in the 1980s like we are primed to love diana but i don't actually i think if you really look very very specifically at the way she is scripted there is a way of reading her in season four that really makes her seem like a spoiled child and i feel like that this season because she is no longer a flower being crushed by the system but a woman out here actually making life choices that you really get a much more of the feeling that they that they're that they're trying to balance it that they're trying to show that she is kind of narcissistic or that you could read her that way or that the royal family was right to see her that way because that's that's their that's their truth from a certain point of view to steal the Star Wars line maybe maybe the difference is because I, I will stand by the fact that I think season four is more, more pro-Diana than season five is. But I will also say that I one of the things that just blows my mind is, is if any of you follow the news around this, there were a lot of, you know, sort of very famous people before this mm-hmm. season dropped talking about how Judy Dench, girl, I love you. I would fight strangers for you. Please sit down. <laughs> um, like, we're like, oh, no, they definitely need to put like a it's fictional disclaimer on this. And I watched the season. I was like, why? This is like the most, this is like the kindest edit possible that you could give Charles. And maybe that's the difference because I feel like season four was not interested in in doing that. It was much more interested in talking about the way that Charles sucks, to be honest, because like there's, there's the episode, and I'm thinking specifically of the episode where they finally really deal with the Charles Camilla adultery and the tape gets Mm, leaked. And he he has that screaming meltdown. And he has that screaming meltdown, but then they end that episode with a weird thing where he's breakdancing with poor kids and a and a, a like a, a a title card at the end talking about how much money he's raised for the Princess Trust. Not to be like, oh no, the Princess Trust, because the Princess Trust actually does a lot of really great work, but I don't know why they felt the need to like undercut the fact that that man cheated on his wife for a decade. And like does not feel bad about it. Nope. Like and and like she is right to be mad about that. She has like a she has a really strong argument that that she never had a chance in this marriage because there were always three people in it. And the show kind of kind of goes there a little bit, but then it's like, but Charles also helps the poor, which is just very, very weird to me. Okay. A a second 
uh, note that I, I think also changed the way season five and season four feel is that season four, Elizabeth was still going like gangbusters and looked like she would make it to 101 with no problem. And so the flattery went to her much more than Charles because he was not going to be monarch when that landed. I feel like Morgan wrote season five knowing that his chances of Liz still being on the throne were at about 50-50 at best. And I feel like that he was much more that that because of that, he was much more careful to be flattering to Charles and Camilla. My God, Camilla. Except except sartorially, Camilla looks horrible. Like she literally looks like she's from a Sia video. Like I don't like she's got a mop on her head. I don't know. So weird. I, 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 I do hate her wig. I will not I will not even begin to pretend that I don't hate her wig because you know me in wigs. But my God, just as a person, like I was so sympathetic to Camilla and I couldn't believe it. I wasn't, but I am a card carrying Camilla hater. And I honestly felt like Camilla was weirdly absent from a lot of this season. Like Camilla was very like stuff happened to her. Yes. And I think that's partly why she seems so sympathetic is that she's literally trying to make an untenable situation work and she can't and she knows it. Like stuff stuff just happened to her though. She didn't to me feel like mm. she had a a perspective or agency or anything. She was just kind of Charles' side piece who was there. Yeah, and Charles calls her and she goes running every single time in her bad hair. I got to tell you, my favorite part of this season, my favorite part of this season, hands down, and you can ask Greg this because I yelled it at the television like so many times. I just started yelling 30 years at the TV like all the time, like because I was like, you have to wait for 30 more years to be king. Shut up. It was just great. It gave me such joy. I honestly think that episode that that Charles heard about episode one and episode 10 and that they show him whether or not these these things actually happen. They show him uh, basically like uh, engineering a, the, an article in the Sunday Times that shows Elizabeth should retire and that he goes behind her back to speak to Tony Blair. And I think in a way that freaked him out because it makes him look really bad in respective to his mother. But yeah, it honestly, makes him look very like calculating, but I totally believe that he did that. I totally believe that he did that. And not only that, but honestly, it doesn't feel villainous. It just feels like a dude who, 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 who is so frustrated at having to wait his turn that he that he's rattling the bars of his cage 30 years enjoy your waiting can we just peter morgan swore at season four that he would not do tampon gate he actually went in interviews and told people he was not going to do tampon gate i just don't even want i just like my whole body is collapsing in on itself even just talking about this it's so gross and uncomfortable and you know that stuff is actually from the actual he took the actual transcripts. Oh, I'm sure he did. I know he did from a lot of the Diana interviews later. Like those are straight from the There are actually there are, there are in the in the remnants of Twitter you can actually find people who are still tweeting about the crown. They that have overlaid um um Debicki and and Princess Diana in the Bashir interview and they are it, it, is, it uncanny. is uncanny. It is uncanny. Let's talk about Elizabeth Debicki for a second. Who is far and away my favorite part of this season. This is a career making performance. Uh, they have really like knocked the Diana casting out of the park. The show is mm-hmm. uh, it's uncanny at times. Like it's honestly disturbing how much she not just looks like Diana physically because she's quite a bit taller than Diana was. Let's mm-hmm. go with the tall girl power. Um, they have fun with that though. <laughs> that when, every time she towers over Charles, I giggle. I I love it. She's like six foot four. We love this as a fellow tall woman. But what I really can't get over is just her mannerisms and like the way she holds her body mm-hmm. differently in different scenes with people, like just the way she bends her neck. Like it's it's really remarkable and oddly unnerving. Um, I have to say the first couple of episodes I felt were a little rough, but like I felt like they were having so much fun with the physicality that they didn't really like let her do much more than wine that she wanted to go shopping. Although honestly, Charles can have several seats. You brought like six friends with you on your second honeymoon <laughs> and your girl just wants to go to the mall. Let her go buy something. <laughs> okay. Um, but 
once they separate in in in, in episodes after the Morton book comes out, I just felt like the, like I was literally like the, they're going to give her Emmys and Golden Globes and SAG awards for this. This is career making. Like she, this is this is. There, there's a level almost of genius of the way that she plays the fact like as I said you can see her as kind of narcissistic in this and there's that moment where Elizabeth turns to her and says nobody thinks about you like and, he, and, and, and Stoughton makes a meal of that speech by the way but at the same time like that's the problem nobody thought about her for 10 years while she was having a nervous breakdown somebody should have done something and you you get that dichotomy of both of both of both her being a troubled person and that they made her into this per- troubled person and that they deserve the monster that she became and they deserved what she did to them even though can i just say man I am so glad that the truth about that Bashir interview came out before season five, because I am so glad about that, because honestly, like if they had played that Bashir interview like that and I hadn't known it, I think I would have been on the floor and actually knowing that it was coming really helped. Um, I actually I think it's really important that and and a really interesting kind of if we want to say that the, one of the themes of season five is sort of like old institutions trying to move into a modern world, like mm. that's a really like interesting way of portraying the changes at the BBC during that time and the change from strictly like the BBC is the only thing you watch to like all these other options to how far they were willing to go to like gaslight this woman to get an interview, which is super gross. Can I just also say, um, I absolutely love the BBC episode because they they they're, they're like shows can be entertaining and educational, and then the the episode goes on to literally have educational scenes in the middle of your entertainment. I mean, literally when they had when they had what is it? Who is it? Who plays Marsha Warren? Is the one who plays Queen Mother? Turns around and starts giving us the history of the BBC like it's a little speech, and I was just like, this is genius. This is so meta genius. I loved that episode so much. I loved that episode. And I loved the divorce episode where they contrast them against all the people who were also getting divorced that day. That was, oh, tissues. Bring tissues. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was really great. And I actually really did love the, um one of the really satisfying scenes from this season for me was that the the Charles and Diana scene after their divorce goes through and he like goes to their house and- mm, In the kitchen? Oh yeah. And and she basically is like you were always just like looking out for you. Like you like you brought your friends for you. You weren't there for me. And also I I thought that episode was also really smart because it explained it again it somehow sympathetically explains Charles even while showing what a terrible person he is in 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 that moment where she's like you could have lived your life you don't have to be king and you see that his whole ego and his whole sense of self is so wrapped up in the concept of ready to be king that he is actually threatened simply by Diana suggesting that he could maybe do things instead with his life <laughs> um let's talk about what i i have to assume is the season's most uh divisive casting choice which is dominic west as charles oh man okay so listen guys before we came here i went to pilates and every woman in my pilates class was like you didn't tell me that charles was so miscast and i was like see this is why everybody we don't need a fictional thing on on the crown every episode because all you see is dominic west and you know this is a fictionalization because that man was never that handsome no matter what anybody ever says it's honestly distracting at times because he it, not even just because he's actually very uh, he's a very attractive man like let's mm-hmm. not sugarcoat it but he also has so much charisma and mm. you know god save the king and everything but charles has the charisma of like a napkin <laughs> so i just it does not and he's like crying now i think i've broken her but it just, <laughs> it's not it's so weird it's so weird the one thing i think he gets completely right is like the mannerisms the i was gonna say the the imitable like uh, face punchingness of him like i wanted to punch him in the face like all the time but i i don't know i just i just this did not work for me especially coming after josh o'connor who i feel like was such an ideal charles Mm. in terms of he really embodied for me i think what it is is that i don't feel like dominic west gets to the fact that charles is like really broken 
from this mm. family, from this experience, from this lifetime of pressure and expectation that has a lot to do with why he is the way he is. But Dominic West plays it as like, as like all there is to him is that he's owed something. Do you know what mm. I mean? There's like, there's so little interiority to his Charles that I just, I don't know. I don't like it. That's the thing about the kitchen scene, though, is that that's where you see the interiority and you see how threatened he is by Diana. That was like Simply episode s- nine, though. So it was I a know. little late. Uh, I got. I also got to say that that epi- <laughs> the episode where they basically like show all of his uh, good works and 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 how he was an environmentalist when it wasn't cool to be an environmentalist and all of that. Like that was also extremely like. I, I had trouble taking that episode seriously because I could feel how much it was working to try to show us how great our king is. And I was just like, dude. I don't I don't think it's quite I don't think it's quite that though, because that to me says it's reacting more to the fact that he's king now than and than I think it actually is. I think it's more that Peter Morgan, rightly or wrongly, or however he chooses to compartmentalize it or break it down between the various royals, just believes that the royals are such a necessary and key element of British life and British society that, like, they can't be all bad. Do you know what I mean? They can't, like, there has to be something redeeming about these people Mm. because their function is so important. And that that's how I read that, because I just don't think they would have had time. Like... I, I I think this was all in the can and done well before the queen died. Oh, no, this was OK. This was uh, the thing about Netflix. And this is a thing that most people don't know is that Netflix works a year ahead of time. So this was all filmed in 2021 and this was already ready to go. And that that Netflix date is not because it was two months right after Queen Elizabeth died. That was already set. They just didn't move it. I mean, so I think it's really more that um, that Peter Morgan just like there's a line he can't cross in terms of like. In, in terms of are the royals good or bad people, I feel like a lot of the season is trying to wrestle with the idea about whether the monarchy is something that we should root for or not. Um, and I don't... And, and Diana is the avatar of that? I, I just don't think that... I think ultimately he is such a royalist and such a monarchist that he cannot imagine a world without this, this institution. Mm. So that colors everything he does. And there's like a certain like he's never going to be a complete Charles hater. Mm. I I do think that this was much more pro Charles because he was hedging his bets though. I do genuinely think that that he went much more pro Charles than he has in any other season because he was worried that Elizabeth wouldn't make it. And I do think that 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 there is an element of that. I also absolutely love the scene where Diana Partly because I was an American Idol fan and a pop idol fan, and I remember when we had to vote over and over again on the on, on your landline to th- that moment where she does the poll and she keeps voting no on the monarchy. I was cackling. Partly because also, you know, and this was a little bit, you know, she failed. She wanted to bring down that. She wanted to bring them down, and they, not only did she fail, but they managed to get through the Elizabeth transition into Charles, and nobody's like complaining. Um, Well, part of that is, I think, um, something that season six will have to deal with. And that is how Elizabeth basically forcibly carried that family through her death and and really worked hard to to clean up her own mess, sort of, and to push the family through through Diana's passing. And I think that'll be a whole thing we can talk about next season. What I I need to talk about (laughs) is because I really this is just. You know what the the episode that's basically the 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 Fayed family backstory is really interesting as sort of like just an episode like it's a very unexpected thing it's very interesting but why is it there I can't believe I got a whole episode about Dodi Fayed's dad mm-hmm. and I didn't even get an Elizabeth episode um so there was a lot of callbacks to the first two seasons in this and i assume that that is partly because we are wrapping things up and we want to feel cyclical you know we have the we have the foy we we transfer from foy to um staunton in that in that prologue uh you know another year another boat um we have uh in margaret's episode we have vanessa we have scenes of vanessa kirby which i'm pretty sure are not from season one and two i think they brought kirby back and actually like restaged things and had new scenes added um but honestly the the choice to 
make Muhammad al-Fade a character and it is actually okay first of all the whole thing about Sidney Johnson is actually true he really did hire Prince uh Prince Edward the eighth's uh freaking manservant and basically had the man teach him how to be a royal like that is actually true all of the story about Sidney Johnson is true but it was also a chance once again to bring back Alex Jennings as Prince Edward from the beginning and Leah Williams as Wallace and 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 really like take that whole take take that whole like first and second season of 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 that of that royal that I feel like Morgan is kind of obsessed with and give them an episode. I, can we just be like, the man was a Nazi. Let's right? keep it moving. Mm. Like, I don't care. Like, oh no, he got, he had to live like a life as a rich person, jet setting around the world with his Nazi friends. Like, okay. This, this, this isn't like a tragedy to me. You know how to not do that? Don't be a Nazi. I do think that that it's important that we know about Sidney Johnson, and I don't mind that aspect of the episode. I just found the the fact that it got a whole episode first of all. The the fact so that it weird. was weird. It, it, it made Muhammad Al Fade seem like this royal obsessed weirdo, which I don't think is very fair to him. Well, I also just I know that a lot of people watching this show are not as obsessed with this family as I am. Mm. And I would love to know who the normies thought this was. Mm. Like, or why, like, this man got an episode. I feel like most people probably know the name Dodi Fayed for tragic and unfortunate reasons. And, okay, UK people know who Mohammed Al-Fayed is because he went after the royal family in a major way. He was the one who spearheaded the whole Diana was murdered by the palace campaign. He was the head conspiracy theorist of that. And he kept his name in the papers for many years, accusing the palace over and over of basically being the ones to make sure that car crash happened and killing his son. And I, 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 so for UK people, this episode probably made a lot of sense because it was building him into this royal obsessed weirdo who is then going to be so angry at them for taking his son and taking Diana that he goes after them for years and years. But I don't think Americans are getting at this at all. <laughs> Mm-mm. And like I said, I mean, and granted, to be fair, the episode is really well done. It's really interesting. And I learned some stuff that I didn't know, which good job, the crown. But also, like, when I look at this episode in the context of the season as a whole, and I think about how little Elizabeth is given to do, how sidelined Margaret is, how, like, there's just so many of it. Like, that's like 50 minutes of television that you could have used on something else. And I just don't feel like that. I don't feel like that was a smart use of it. Speaking of television that could have been used elsewhere the whole going back to george and mary and the showing of the massacre of the romanovs on screen uh, very well I, I, well because it's philip gets an episode i kept waiting for <laughs> i kept waiting for them to cut away and they just kept shooting them and stabbing them and setting them on fire that's real though that happened i when i was a teenager i was actually really obsessed obsessed with the book um nicholas and alexandra oh. and so i was really obsessed with the romanovs and also i I don't know like i'm from virginia and i don't know how many people are aware of this but like this whole myth of like anastasia alive mm. whatever whatever like the woman who always who said she was anastasia for years and years like lived in virginia so it was yeah. like a very like i was obsessed with it so i yeah. thought this was fascinating also because you forget how um it's less so nowadays but certainly during elizabeth's time as a young woman how interconnected all of europe is like they mm. were they were related to the like elizabeth was also related to the romanovs not as directly as philip but all those all those uh all those kids of kids and grandkids of queen victoria all married each other mm -hmm. so yeah i thought that i thought that was interesting but i also just wasn't sure about like oh we're just gonna be like it's their fault the romanovs died all right yeah. Um, I Very mean, weird. Okay, it, it is true that George and Mary refused the Romanovs. And it is true that Philip gave his DNA to identify the bodies. That part is true as well. But it, George actually said, no, we'll take them first. And it was only after public outcry that they reversed course on that. It was not Queen Mary's choice. So that is, a, that is an oddity that they threw in there. And... 
I, I again, this is another chance where they basically put Edward the Eighth on screen for reasons that I cannot possibly understand. That being said, I really did love the whole like Yeltsin stuff. I thought that was great. Um, and I did actually. I also really loved that that was the episode where we have um the Queen basically like walk over to the royal mistress and smack her down after she's been wondering basically why her kids can't do the same thing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that being said, that the 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 woman who plays a uh, Penny, whatever her name is, Lady Romsey or whatever. Oh, the she the lady from um uh Hotel Portofino, Natasha Natasha Mc, Natasha McSomething. <laughs> yeah, I I was, that distracted me so much when I finally because I didn't place her at first. Talk about bad wigs though, right? Wow. <sighs> I, I blame 90s hair. I, I just, that, that is all I can do is blame the 90s hair. Speaking of bad wigs and 90s hair, Bertie Carville is Tony Blair. <laughs> I'm making Wait. a face that no one can see. I don't know. <laughs> Very straight. Also, can we talk about the hero edit that John Major gets? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Interesting choice. Interesting choice with that character all around from Johnny Lee Miller, who let's not forget was what, like sick boy in train spotting? The man does not look anything like Johnny Lee Miller. Like I have to say that is actually an amazing makeup job that they do on him. Um, if I hadn't known it was Johnny Lee Miller, I never would have known. Um, that being said, I you know, as someone who grew up with family that was old labor. Um, watching John Major get this hero edit and then watching New Labor sweep into power was kind of weird because that's really not how I remember any of that, except that my dad got the uh, proud to be old labor mug after that New Labor thing came out. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. Then the weird like. Like, Charles is campaigning to Tony Blair to, like, do a coup or something. I don't know. It's all very weird. All right. I actually, like, I have to say that that moment with Dominic West and 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 uh, and Bertie Carvel, I was like, why didn't they cast, why didn't they cast Donnie, Dominic West as Tony Blair? Like, that would have made so much more sense to me. But also, I get, again, I get that they want to make Charles look handsomer and more charismatic and whatever else, but man, like... Like, look at this Young Guns edit we're all getting here. Like, right? very weird. Like, I, I have to say, Dominic, I, for all that he doesn't look right, Dominic West does embody Charles very well in the mannerisms, in the voice, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the physical, but he just doesn't look the part at all, and you just keep getting distracted by it. Well, it's not even that. For me, it's what I said before. It's the fact that there's no fragility to his Charles mm. at all. There's yeah. no uncertainty. There's no anxiety. There's nothing that implies, I don't know, every other Charles we've seen has, has been like very obviously like messed up. Yes. And, and very broken in a lot of very specific ways. And, and you can draw lines from a lot of his choices and a lot of his behavior to these various anxieties and, and, and just flaws. But this one is just like, I don't know. It's like, that's, that's all gone in Dominic West Charles. And I don't like it. Um, I did like his kid as William though. That, that's his, that's, yeah, that's, me too. That, is, that is Dominic. Okay. The, the, the older William, the one who actually hangs out with grandma and like changes the channel for her. The one who goes to Eaton. Uh, yes. Uh, he is actually played by, uh, Sean and West, who is Dominic West's actual kid. And, they they have enough of a of a resemblance that you can kind of see almost what they were thinking with Dominic West because he actually also kind of looks like William. Um, but either way, like I really liked that kid. I thought he was great. And I was pretty much prepared for that to be a nepotism casting. I did love him doing the thing we all did for our grandparents was like explain the VCR. Mm, like I yes, love that. That was a great scene. <laughs> Probably because like this is this is right at that point because I'm uh I think I'm about what two years older than 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 William is in reality so yeah like I remember teaching my parents how to use the VCR in that same kind of way. Um, the one thing we haven't talked about yet, I don't think, is Jonathan Price and how we feel about his Philip. 
I love Jonathan Price. I love jo- I have loved Jonathan Price for so long, ever since he ever since he was in Miss Saigon. I've loved him since Brazil. I've loved him for such a long time. So this is just I'm very happy that he's that Jonathan Price supremacy is upon us. I don't know how I feel about this particular sort of spin on Philip. I love his Philip. I don't think his Philip is real. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice idea. And actually, um, Price gave an interview, like, right as The Crown came out, or maybe a day or two before, where he said, my Philip is fictional. No, no, no. The real Philip isn't anything like this. This is what I decided I wanted Philip to be. That tracks. And I, and I, and I own that this is a completely fictionalization, idealized version. <laughs> that tra- The only part of his Philip that felt legit to me was... Um... I think they were at one of their carriage races or something. He was talking to somebody who was like clearly beneath and him. And that interview? Yes. And it really felt like he was 30 seconds away from like dropping a racial slur. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, like Jonathan Price makes Prince Philip like uh, a really likable dude. Even when he's like s- smacking down Diana and saying, no, live in your box. Like he still manages to make the guy likable. And Well, I don't even know if it's likable, but I did, that scene really did draw a really interesting line for me between the two of them in the Mm -hmm. sense that, like, he did the things she couldn't do. Yeah. Like, he he managed to hold it in for the sake of the crown. And he accepted the system and he worked within it. And he had his, he, he, he had his girlfriends. He had his carriage madness. He went around the world. He flew around the world being, doing interesting things. He found a life within the system and he made it work for him and he found happiness within it. And I think that's also something that the show that, that by having him be this sort of fictionalized ideal of Philip that isn't real, it really underlines why Queen Elizabeth can't understand why none of the other spouses are doing this and why everyone's getting divorced. Because her husband did it and they're doing fine. So what the heck is wrong with the rest of you? I actually really thought the episode where she talks about her, um, what is it, uh, Annus Horribilis, I think mm. it is, was really, I thought that whole presentation of that speech in the fire at Windsor was like really affecting. Oh, yes. I, I have, I, that was all. If if there is any episode that I would call an Elizabeth episode, it was that one. That's that's as close as we get. Yeah. But that's also, isn't that the one that's also half of a Margaret episode? So we get like half a Margaret episode and half an Elizabeth episode. And they're like, but don't you want to know about the fans? <gasps> yeah. I, I I mean, how do you have Leslie Manville and give her like nothing to do? She sits on the couch and like and and basically is a waspish. Like that's her ba- that's her job. I, she like smokes and drinks very elegantly. Oh, and I know sure. basically the truth of the matter is that like Margaret got divorced and basically like smoked herself into the grave. But like, whew. Yeah. Um. I did love the idea that she was the one that pushed Anne to get re- to be the first royal to remarry. I did like that as an idea. I don't know if that's true. I I don't know if that's true, but it felt like a it felt like a like a a proper piece. It, it felt narratively like circular. Yes. It it felt like the proper way to sort of like bring everything full circle. Um, I also note will will note how little screen time Andrew and Edward get. Like I think Edward <laughs> is literally like listed as a guest is a featured guest star in the one episode where he kind of appears. And uh James Murray is only recurring. Yeah, he like appear doesn't he basically just appear to be like I'm getting divorced and then like pieces out. Oh no, Edward! Yeah, that's all that Ed, that's all that Andrew does. Edward doesn't even do that because Edward is the only one that didn't actually get divorced. Twenty five percent. Um, can I also note that Char- the the guy they cast is Charles Spencer? Wow, did they get that guy on the nose? I don't even know who the actor is. Like, I should have looked it up. I'm sorry. Um, usually, I'm the one who's sitting here with like the cast list in front of me. But I, I just wanted to throw that out there that I really did love. Uh, I really did love their Charles Spencer, um, though he is, of course, overshadowed by the whole Bashir and 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 Diana thing that is happening around him as it happens. Uh, did we really need to see her relationship with that heart surgeon that whose name I don't even remember? I don't know. 
uh, Dr. Khan? And I feel like the answer to that is yes. Um, and I feel that the reason they felt that they needed to show that is to show that she that that Dodie wasn't an outlier in what she's attracted to. Oh, okay. I could have done without that weird dinner where Dodie and uh, the girl who used to play Barbara on Gotham <laughs> go to hang out with his dad, who spends the entire time like trashing her in Pakistani. Like, right? Um, um. Anyway, I, I I have to say that um, when it comes to Dodie Faith, there is a lot of racist rhetoric that was also tossed around that the Crown simply, partly Crown hasn't gotten to season six yet and hasn't gotten to her actually having a relationship with him yet. And I felt like some of the Dr. Khan stuff was trying to basically show how wrong that was. That she wasn't that 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 she that she didn't that there's a whole like thing about Diana I and I remember this mostly because my parents talked about it how she had this exotic boy and I was like dude I'm making a face right <laughs> and I feel like that that's why the Doctor Khan stuff is there and I, I, I and it's why I didn't mind it um because i felt like you are actually trying to see like diana's first moves to have a relationship but that Dodie wasn't the first guy she dated right after charles either that she did actually like have more relationships than that even if they didn't really work too well <laughs> oh i don't know i feel like and i don't know if this is just because it is like two months after elizabeth died or just because all of the subject matter is so grim and there's just not like anything super happy that happens this season like there's just some like kind of a weird grim pall over this for me that i don't really know how to explain i don't know that the show intended that no i don't that's think kind so. of like how it feels watching it it's not fun it's not fun it's not particularly propulsive it's not it doesn't feel it is very much a Shakespearean tragedy in that you know the history and you know what will happen to these characters. It's a little bit like, you know, Hamlet dies from the first moment that, you know, you know that you, you know that that, that, that that Macbeth will be dead by the end of the ep by the end of the play. It's weird, you though, because like I think a lot of that was true in season four as well. But season four had a very sort of like pulpy, juicy kind of mm. propulsiveness to it that this season does not have, despite the fact that this is the season that's actually about the divorce. And it's just really like I don't I don't know why it makes me feel like that, but I suspect I'm not the only person that feels like that. I don't think you are either. It's it's really there's a like gray thing over it that I can't figure out why. I don't know if it's like we're 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 stepping on a dead woman's grave or or what, but it's something about it feels really off to me. I think I wish that they'd been more celebratory about Elizabeth in this season, and that because she is sort of she's sort of this this cipher. A lot of the time that what I wanted from this being sort of a, a, a salute to her and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a way of closing the door on, on, on a grieving process that, that a nation has been going through, that this didn't provide that. And I think that that is a problem. Again, once again... As you said, this was done way before she died, et cetera, et cetera. They I didn't. Mean, and, the, the, and the whole like Elizabeth getting shoved to the background thing is not new. Mm -mm. It's no. not a recent development like that happened last season, too. Mm -hmm. And I get it because Diana is we all Diana has attained a certain, you know, mythic status. She and... was she was such a personality. She was such a charisma bomb. That the, that the palace had no idea what to do with. She was always going to steal the spotlight when she was on this show. But it is, well, yeah. And I expect that because she did that in the real world family too. But I, just, I don't know. Maybe it's just that the show doesn't devote enough time to Elizabeth this season. And it feels like she's gone before she's gone, kind of, mm. if that makes sense. I don't know. I don't like it. And with one more season to go, and I'm really unclear about how they're going to wrap the show up now that she is actually gone. Um, and where they're going to choose to end it. Uh, I have questions. But I, I feel like that's the thing they've got to fix, though. Because I just feel like there's nothing about this season. The season didn't really tell me anything about Elizabeth, if that makes sense. Uh, season six is currently in production. Again, they work a year ahead. Um, and there have actually been reports about how nervous the show is about restaging the car crash in France. 
and how like and and how badly that will go if they actually if 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 people manage to see them filming that sequence how badly it will play in the tabloids and how badly it will reflect on the show a year before it comes out um and i don't blame them for that in the slightest and I, honestly i hope they do it in the studio even if it's even if they want to do it on location this is one of those things where no no no, no people don't do that um that being said, like the fact that we end the season literally with Diana requesting to go to the south of France that summer and to take the boys with her, it really like it hit hard. And I'm I am hoping that Staunton is basically given the heroes edit next season. I, that's what I feel like that. I feel like they're going to have to start season six with the car crash. Oh, no, no. Season six is going to start with the car crash. But, that and, is... then, and then you'll have, you know, eight, nine more episodes to sort of really show what I was talking about before is that Elizabeth is the reason this monarchy survived. And yes. it survived because of how she handled the aftermath of this. Yes, she handled it incredibly poorly to start off with. And if nobody knows that, go watch the queen. But but uh but she she's the one that pulls it out. And so I'm hoping I'm hoping that that that, that is how sort of Morgan will choose to remember her. If that makes sense. I would really love Morgan to like, I, I know the crown is on ne or the queen is on Netflix and I would love Netflix's marketing department to like, be like the crown is dropping and then put the queen as the, as the, as the thing on the forefront. Um, because baller move. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I, part of me does wonder how much he'll, he'll, because he did make that movie. Right. I don't think that you can make this show without really kind of remaking part of that movie, but he already like told this story. So I don't know. I have a lot of questions. I'm really nervous about it, especially now that she is gone. Like I need this show to do better by her than it did this season. And like, I, I need that. If you could not bring back Helen Mirren to replay the role for seasons five and six, which I had actually when they first announced the show, a little part of me hoped that they would. But I knew well, I mean, also she that did that the was... audience, too. So I was like, she might. But she has to make like some Yellowstone show in the gangsters or something. I don't know. But she gets to like be married to Harrison Ford. So I'm not mad at her. She's living her life. Um, but the fact is, is that Amel, if, if there was anyone who was going to step into those shoes and do this role and basically mirror the Helen Mirren movie in television form, I feel like you couldn't pick a better person than Staunton. I really genuinely like just going through all of the dames who exist and all of the dames to come. Maybe. I mean, maybe Judy Dench, but I also think Judy Dench could do anything. So that's true. Except not talk about the show. Please sit down, girl. <laughs> you know, like the fact that they're talking about it, and like you know, the screeners aren't out there, and you know they've seen zero seconds of this show. But because they have royal connections and they want to look good, it just oh, so made me so mad. Um, and um, yeah, I feel like you really couldn't. You, th there is very little that Staunton can't do, and I feel like this is this is go if the show is going to manage to get over the Queen and be the Crown, that they are primed to do it with this cast, except maybe with Dominic West, um, except maybe. <laughs> I mean, but even everybody else, though Claudia Harrison, I mean, even Olivia Williams is Camilla Parker Bowles. Like, I almost expect her to step up and like just kind of grab Charles by the collar and drag him along. Like, really, this is the cast that can do it. I, I do think that. I have high hopes for season six, and my God, if they don't stick the landing, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> I don't like. I said, like I just said a second ago, like what I need is for the show to do right by her mm -hmm. in the end. And I don't feel like this season did that and I need them to fix it. And that is where I'm at. Okay. I wouldn't mind a little more for um, uh, Leslie Banville to do. Please and but... thank you. I mean, seriously, she's going to die in this next season. She, you know, They will be covering both the death of Princess Margaret and the Queen Mother in season six as well, which means Leslie Banville gets an entire death episode. Okay. Do right by her. <laughs> yeah, but mostly I just need them to do like the whole premise of the show is 
not that it's just about the crown, institutionally speaking, but it's about this particular representative of the crown. And I feel like the show has lost that a little bit and I need it like I need it to get it back. Get I need I need please refocus. I need there to be like real like a real not just closure, but I need it to say something. Mm. Yeah. And I don't feel like it said anything this year. I, I feel like you're right. It's lost its focus. And it, that's what I know. it needs. I'm often right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. We went a little long on this, but uh, I get I get emotional about the royals because I'm American and that's how we roll. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> season six. We'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. Uh, Annie. Since we're done, tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Mastodon at Annie Bundle. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Yes, I made a Mastodon account. No, I have not made a Substack. No, I don't actually know what what kind of things the social media world will do. I made a Substack, but I literally don't know what I'm going to do with it. I just <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I made a Mastodon, and you made a Substack, and that's how we're going to roll. I already had oh, a Mastodon. Okay. I already had a Mastodon. I've had a Mastodon since 2017, and it's got like four posts on it, and three of them were like me realizing every couple of years that I have a Mastodon. So, <laughs> all right. So yeah. Um. In in social media, that's not like you know on fire. Uh. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and their very fuzzy bellies at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily, and I am the associate editor here at Televisions. And I also freelance around the web. And as you can probably imagine, most of what I'm writing everything where else is either about the Crown or about Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. And if you go see that, also take tissues. Uh. Yeah. That's I think everything I have to say. Um. So uh. Yeah. Find me on social media um i eventually will all coalesce around something and uh life will go on uh i am still lacy mb on twitter where i will be until they turn the lights off on that wretched whatever is going on over there but i've also got a mastodon which is lacy mb a new Substack which has no content at lacy mb and if you're looking for me on the internet i am generally at lacy mb so i don't know i'll be online if you want me <laughs> For now, the site and the pod are also on social media at Televisions the Blog, all one word on Facebook, and Tele underscore Visions on Twitter. For whatever that's worth. Take it with a <laughs> grain of salt. Uh, if you want to ignore all of that, uh, the site can be found at televisions.org, where all of our recaps, news updates, and general ramblings live. You can support what we do by clicking on that donate button up top, which will also get you access to PBS Passport, where you can watch all kinds of things early and exclusively such as this current season of Miss Scarlet and the Duke, which is about to end, but you can watch the finale before it airs right now. And I don't know, as you can see, I'm very affected by all of the social media drama going on because I have no life and it's very upsetting to me. But uh, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, get a flu shot and a COVID booster if you have not yet. I, it's scary out there and we are all that we have. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.